Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Hurricane Adelia arrived on Florida's Gulf Coast just a few uh, moments ago. Let's be lifting up renewed prayers for the people in its path. Um, The hurricane arrived with sustained winds of 110 miles per hour. That's a Category 3 storm. Cedar Key appears to be the center point. Um, But the entire northern half of the state of Florida is really fully in the hurricane's strike zone. Um, It will obviously rapidly deteriorate um, in terms of the strength of the wind as it, you know, crosses land. But the storm surge is of particular concern. Um, We used to call this, I mean, I grew up in Tampa and I went to the University of Florida as an undergrad. So uh, the University of Florida is closed today. Florida State University is closed today. Disney World is closed. Um, All the other parks in Central Florida uh, Bush Gardens in Tampa, the Tampa uh, International Airport, on and on and on. I mean, like it's a this is a major event in the state of Florida, um, and uh, 22 counties. The people in 22 counties have been under these mandatory evacuation orders. And if you've ever been to Florida, or if you've ever considered, you know, maybe what it's like to live on a peninsula, like where do you go? I mean, if 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 22 counties have mandatory evacuation orders, like where do you go? Um, you can only go so far. I mean, if you're on the West Coast, you can only go so far to the East. It's just it's just not that far across the whole state. Um, and it's counterintuitive to go south, but that probably would have been your best bet um, because to go north is going to go in the direction that the storm is uh, is tracking. So um, let's be praying for folks. There's obviously going to be not just a lot of wind damage. There's going to be a lot of storm surge damage. And... And there's probably a lot of people who um, hunkered down and stayed right where they were because, frankly, they didn't know where to go. They didn't and they didn't know how to get somewhere that was safer. And uh, and so let's be praying for folks today. And let's, let's also be living, living prepared um, to respond when storms come. Because storms come, right? Um, let's live prepared. And when the power goes out, let's be people of light. And you say to yourself, well, that that sounds so Jesus-y. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's okay in the dark to be the person who starts singing um, Amazing Grace. It's okay to uh, be the person who, sitting in the dark, um, bears witness to the light. It's okay to be the person sitting in the dark who starts praying the Lord's Prayer. It's okay to be the person sitting in the dark who... Um, lives as a non-anxious presence because you know that in life or in death, you belong to God. Um, What do you have to fear today? Jesus has already dealt with your two greatest enemies, sin and death. The power that sin has over you in this life has already been defeated at the cross. And the power that death um, has over you 
has already been uh, removed because Jesus rose from the dead and offers to you not just a whole full life here, free from the power of sin, but an eternal life in heaven. Um, and and that's, I mean, we got to look forward to that, anticipate it with joyful longing. We're not trying to accelerate our arrival there. Um, we're not trying to invite or bring about our own physical demise. No, no. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and your life is a gift. And um, God alone is the one who gave it and is the one alone who has the right to take it away. But in life and in death, we belong to God. Whether I live or die, I belong to God. Like I, it, I am dead. It is now Christ who lives in me and can do what he wants with my life for as long as he wants. So I want you to um, consider today what you fear and why you fear it. And what that says about what you believe about who Jesus is and what he has done. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All righty. Hey, can I um can I have a word with you? Can we step aside and can I have a word with you? Ha- has anybody ever um approached you and said and said that <laughs> can I have a word with you that normally means we're in trouble like I, or uh, we've done something that maybe we don't recognize has been uh off color or offensive in a particular group can I have a word with you well I'm just gonna seek as a, a Christian sister to um invite you to adopt that as a way of entering into a conversation about the Word of God. Can I have a word with you? <laughs> Can I have a, could I have a word with you? What, what word would you have with me today if we were going to step aside and have a word? Where in the Word are you today? Um, how would you go about sharing that with me? We've already talked um, at the beginning of the first hour about Romans chapter 2, verse 2. You know, don't don't copy the behavior or the customs of this world. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Um, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Um, so the way I memorized it, don't be conformed to this world, um, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's allowing the word of God to change the way I think and allowing the Holy Spirit moment by moment to work to bring me into greater conformity with who Christ is. That's the kind of word I want to step aside and have um, with people today. If you were going to step aside and have a word with somebody, what, what, what word would you be sharing? Would, would it be the good news of the gospel of Jesus? So um, a couple of years ago, <clears throat> the good people of Oregon had the opportunity to vote uh, to decriminalize hard drugs in their state. And we talked about it at the time. This goes back a few years. I mean, this is in 2020. We actually talked about it at the time, and I told uh, I told you that I thought this was a bad idea. <laughs> I thought I thought it was a bad idea for the people of Oregon to decriminalize drugs like heroin, and to um, instead of focusing on um, funding treatment facilities and getting people off of drugs, I told you that I thought it was a bad idea for them to instead fund these uh, these places and these spaces where people would 
freely be doing drugs and there would be medical assistance for them and there would be uh, safe shoot up locations. And I told you then I thought it was a bad idea. Well, a majority of voters in Oregon um, voted three years ago to to do it, to decriminalize hard drugs. And now three years on, that social experiment has failed. And now a majority of Oregon's registered voters would like to see the law repealed. They would like to see it replaced by an expansion of addiction treatment options. And they would, instead of the funding from the state's tax on legal pot sales, right, that's the money that they're using, by the way. So they're taxing the sale of marijuana, cannabis, and other forms. Um, And that tax money is being used um, in these what are called harm reduction efforts, which, you know, where they're actually helping people who are drug addicts get more drugs and, quote unquote, use them safely, um, safe shoot up sites. And uh, and in some cases, giving them free drugs because giving people the hard illicit drugs for free, it keeps suppresses crime because people are stealing in order to get the money to buy the drugs. No shock to anybody that this is not working or no shock to anybody that like can think about the fact that ideas have consequences. So um, this during this three year social experiment in the state of Oregon, homeless camps have proliferated and become uh, less sanitary, more squalid is the name in the article that I'm reading from. Crime and overdose deaths have skyrocketed. Many businesses, as you know, have left cities like Portland. An audit found that only 1%, 1% of the addicts who were ticketed for drug possession, because that was the, that was the plan. We're going to, instead of arresting people, we're going to give them a written citation. And that written citation is going to require, require that they call a hotline and that they um, share their need for help. That's what the state's marijuana tax money has been used for, um, setting up a hotline uh, that addicts who have been ticketed for drug possession are supposed to call. Um, Well, an audit shows that only 1% of the addicts who were ticketed ever actually called the hotline. So um, now voters are saying, "Okay, uh, that clearly didn't work. Let's let's work to repeal that law. Well, repealing a law is not simple and not and doesn't happen quickly. Um, and we'll have uh, we'll have probably fierce um, opposition. So I say all of this to remind us that ideas have consequences and bad ideas um, have victims. So let us be um, thinking today about the right kinds of solutions and processes that we could enter into to address the constellation of concerns related to addiction and homelessness, mental illness, poverty, the trafficking in people, because all of these things um, are related to the kinds of um, social experiments being run in communities across the country. Um, so I lift this up today as a concern uh, for prayer and also so that we can have conversations with one another about 
the reality that ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. What do you know about the Hindu caste system? What do you think you know? Are you sure that what you think you know about the Hindu caste system is actually what contemporary Hindus think about the Hindu caste system? And in particular, Hindus who live in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. So this is a complex um, conversation and I, I, I lift it up because it is a conversation that is happening in the headline news today, and we want to bring the mind of Christ to bear on what's happening in the headline news. But I also think this is a conversation about who gets to define um, religious categories and whether or not we want the government weighing in when it comes to theological questions and dividing lines uh, in, in particular religious groups of people. So I know that's a lot, but let me just, and I know it's early in the day to be having this kind of conversation, but here's what's going on. In California, there is a Senate bill um, related to the Hindu caste system. And, uh, you know, on the surface, you're going to say it's really, it's a bad idea for uh, any, any, at any level in the United States for um, somebody to allow someone to be discriminated against because their religion um, says they belong to a particular caste and therefore they can only hold a particular kind of job. So I agree with you that in the United States of America, this kind of discrimination should not exist. There should not be discrimination based on what caste a particular world religion says you belong to. But the other side of this conversation is, do we want courts in the United States weighing in on what is and isn't um, the right expression of of a particular faith? That that's that's the difficulty of this particular conversation when we talk about um, the freedom of religion and religious expression and non-interference by the by the government. So should the U.S. government at any level be making laws about the practice of a particular religion. That's the big question here. And then when we drill down, we have this conversation about the Hindu caste system. So um, there is a an important and even authoritative book in Hindu law called the Manu Smriti. And it dates back to about a thousand years before Jesus was born. Um, and in it, the caste system is justified as the basis uh, of, quote, order and regularity of society. So the caste system, as uh, as described and defined in this important and authoritative book in Hindu theology, the caste system divides Hindus into four main categories. Um, and Hindus thus believe that the groups originated um, from the Hindu god of creation, that they, this, this, is a, this is a divine mandate. 
that people are put into these castes, these ordered groupings. Well, over the course of time, that list of four ultimately became uh, 3,000 castes with 25,000 subcasts. I mean, doesn't that sound like, you know, how the uh, how in the Old Testament, you know, we go from um, <laughs> we go from the Ten Commandments to hundreds of laws um, that that governed every aspect of human life. So, you know, you have these four casts, but ultimately it becomes 3,000 casts and then 25,000 subcasts. And literally by a person's last name, you would know. You would know which caste they belong to. Um, all of that changed in 1950. Uh, it, in India adopted an independent constitution, and it banned discrimination on the basis of caste. Um, in 1989, um, that that anti-discrimination was extended. And we're talking about India. We're talking about a, a, a country that is, by definition, Hindu nationalist. So it's interesting that we then move this conversation to the United States of America, where people um, who are Hindu are experiencing discrimination, particularly in Silicon Valley of California. That's why this is happening, this conversation happening in California. They are experiencing discrimination in Silicon Valley based on their perceived, quote unquote, caste. And so it gets you gets you to the question, you know, is a Hindu a Hindu a Hindu? Is a Hindu in India the same as a Hindu in the United States of America? And is a Hindu who still believes in what their authoritative book says about caste um, right? Or a Hindu who is really a secular Hindu um, and operating out of a secular worldview um, and living in America where the Declaration of Independence says that everybody is created equal and endowed by the creator with unalienable rights, including those life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the First Amendment that Congress should make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. This is the complexity of the conversation related to California's Senate Bill 403. Um, And why bring this up? Because this is the kind of thinking Christians have to do in the culture today. Because today the conversation is about whether or not a person can be discriminated against in their place of work because of their religion. In this case, because of their Hindu faith and their particular status in that uh, faith expression. You can certainly imagine how that could be applied um, to Christians. And so it's a conversation that we should and must have. You can absolutely see how it could be applied to people who are Jewish or people who are Muslim. So anti-discrimination laws in the United States of America um, cover religion, but do they cover these kinds of aspects of it, these kinds of differentiations in theological interpretation and authoritative books of history? Our authoritative book as Christians is the Bible. Um, Portions of it written... uh, a couple thousand years ago. Applicable today? By whose interpretation? Let's take a moment uh, to hear Breakpoint with John Stone Street. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Do you remember Awana? Maybe there were Awana clubs at your church growing up or in your community. You've probably seen 
their signs. Um, Awana is resilient disciple making for children today. Um, and they really want to see every child come to know Christ, come to love Christ, come to serve Christ. And so there are um, tens of thousands of churches across the country and around the world, some 133 countries actually, using Awana programs. Um, but you can actually use Awana right in your own home. And we want to talk about that. We want to talk about discipleship resources that are available to you as a parent or a grandparent, um, as a as a neighbor. Maybe you want to start a neighborhood club, um, a backyard Bible study, a sidewalk Sunday school. There's all kinds of ways that you could be discipling children um, in your home and in your community. So we want to talk about the faith of our children. We want to talk about child discipleship. Uh, We want to talk about Awana, and we want to make some free resources available to you today. Let's talk about Awana with Matt Markins up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, what do you want to talk about? We're going to talk about, talk about. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about with Matt Markins from Awana. Matt, welcome back. Hey, Carmen. Good to be with you again. I figure if I say talk about enough times that people will want to talk about talk about. So what is <laughs> talk about? Well, talk about is is really how to get equipped to talk about what's most important with your kids, which is your faith in Christ, talking about the Bible, talking about your faith journey. Uh, there's some research coming out of Great Britain that I got um, to put my eyes on this summer that says parents don't talk about their faith because they feel insecure. They feel like they don't, they're not equipped. So we want to help you parents to be able to talk about what's most important with your kids. So this goes back a number of years, but when I was serving in congregational ministry, I remember um, leading up to Vacation Bible School, there was a a young mom um, and she she said, well, I really, I want to volunteer, but I don't, I don't actually know anything about the, about the Bible. And I said, well, this will be perfect because you can learn right along with um, with your kids. Like, it's totally fine that you don't know the stories. It's totally fine. Like, we're going to learn the songs. We're going to learn the stories. We're going to, you know, we're going to do skits. Like, it'll be really fun. And that's when I became aware that there are a lot of parents who want to disciple their children, but the parents were never discipled. And so having resources that come alongside parents and say, okay, you can be equipped in the midst of parenting. You can be equipped to talk with your child about the things of the faith, even if, like you say, you're not you're not super confident. Um, that's yeah. okay. That's actually who this is for. Um, and so, if you're curious and you want to learn and you want to be equipped to talk with your child or your grandchildren about the things of the faith, they're certainly asking questions. Um, or if they're not asking questions, they're certainly wondering. They have questions that they may not be asking. So we want to get kids talking about the things of the faith. And Talk About is a resource from Awana designed to help you do that. And um, we got a promotional code for you today. It's just Faith Radio, no spaces. And you're going to use it at talkabout.awana.org. If you want um, me to send you that link directly, just text me at 877-933-2484, I'll send you the link and the um, the promo code, and you can you can put your hands on these resources. 
Um, what what are we talking about, Matt, when we're talking about resources? Like, what is it that um, Talk About makes available to parents and grandparents? Uh, we we give parents uh, conversation guides. You know, uh, discipleship. If you were looking for a key performance indicator, so some of our listeners are in business. You know, the term KPI, a key performance indicator. If you're looking for a key a KPI of like how is discipleship happening in our homes. One of those KPIs is talking. Deuteronomy 6, Moses was so wise in his inspiration to say, talk about these things when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And uh, really, the whole brand is built off of that idea of just start talking. Because if you can talk like tennis, like the tennis ball goes back and forth over the net, if we can dialogue with our kids we're going to figure out over time how to connect with their hearts, how to listen to them, how to share the most important part of our faith journey, and how to share the scriptures with them. So we're going to give you resources and to know how to have those conversations. Um, what kinds of things um, do do we want to be talking about um, when we're talking about kids and discipleship and and how early are we are we talking about having these conversations like what's age appropriate when when my wife and I brought our oldest son home from the hospital I looked out the window and this is a couple days after him being home and she's out there holding him and she's she's got his little hand and she's stroking it over a leaf and I, I walk up behind her and I'm like what are you doing and she was in the process of telling him that God made this leaf and God made you. And I said, Katie, he's two days old. He cannot understand, mm-hmm. you know, what you're saying. And she said to me, the days are going to turn into weeks. Weeks are going to turn into months and months are going to turn into years. And as I talk with him, he's going to understand this so naturally. So you can start from day one. Just talk. Let your kids hear the tone in your voice, how much you love Jesus. Again, even if you don't have it all figured out, just tell them what you do know. Tell them you love Jesus. Tell them the most simple Bible verses uh, that you can begin to tell them. But I think the talk about resource really has two key parts to help you do that. We talk about the culture and we talk about God's word. And we do this on purpose because the culture is telling our kids a story, but the Bible tells them the best story. And we want to equip you to know how to navigate the culture, but also how to disciple your kids in the midst of the culture. We're talking with Matt Markins from Awana. Again, um, the the website is talkabout.awana.org. The promo code is Faith Radio, no spaces, all caps. Um, I'll send you all that information on a text message. Just text me. Be like Debbie, be like Stacy, be like Maria, be like Kathy. They've already texted 877-933-2484. I'm happy to send you the link um, to your phone. That's a super easy way to access these materials. So Mark, uh, Matt, our motivation to have these conversations at this time of year is because people are headed back to school. They're thinking about what they're going to do this academic year um, to disciple their children and their grandchildren. Um, this is a, this is time for every Christian adult to be all in, um, in terms Absolutely. of discipleship and disciple making for kids. Can you talk a little bit about getting equipped as adults to disciple young people? Um, I mean, you guys have so many things. I'm thinking about the book, Resilient. I'm thinking about the Child Discipleship Forum. So whatever information you want to share, like there's so much available 
to get equipped as adults to be discipling kids today? We, yeah, we built an entire ecosystem. So let me list off some of those resources really quickly, and then I can describe the importance of, you know, why they're so important. So we have a new website this past couple of years called childdiscipleship.com. You can go to childdiscipleship.com as a parent or as a church leader. All of the resources on there are free. There's free downloadable conversation guides about social media and anxiety and gender, you know, how to understand all these big conversations from a biblical worldview. We also have books like you just mentioned. There's the book called Resilience. I'm publishing a book that comes out next week called The Faith of Our Children. If you go to Amazon and type in The Faith of Our Children, uh, that should pop up pretty quickly. We also have uh, gatherings like the Child Discipleship Forum. Again, if someone were to Google child discipleship forum, you would see that event in Nashville. So we built, whether it's a free resource that's downloadable or a book on uh, uh, research or these these conversations at the child discipleship forum, we do all of this because we want to help you as a parent or church leader form our children prior to that critical age of 13. You know, the Barna Group says that worldview is shaped and formed in most human beings by the time someone turns the age of 13. Now, think about what that means. Today's 13-year-old just entered into the youth group. Two years before that, they were exiting out of the children's ministry. Three years before that, they were eight years old right in the heart of your children's ministry. So why is the age 13 important? We have to ask ourselves, how are we forming them in the image of Jesus leading up to that critical age? So child discipleship is the most strategic and the most fruitful work in the local church and in your home. And that's why we've created all of these resources. We're talking with Matt Markins from Awana. All kinds of um, of resources available for you at childdiscipleship.com. We want to highlight the talk about resource. And so I'd love to send you a link to that resource and the promo code Faith Radio. Just text Text me anything. I mean, you can text me a smiley face. You just text me, 877-933-2484, and I'll send you um, that link right back to your phone so you can access these excellent Talk About resources. Um, and we'll, uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Matt here in just a moment. I'm going to ask him hard questions. Those are up next. What did you learn at school today? That's the hard question that we're going to start with when we come back. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. I'm talking with Matt Markins from Awana. He thinks about kids a lot. He thinks about discipling kids um, the book Resilient is a conversation we've had in the past. We're looking forward to having a conversation in the future about his forthcoming book, Faith for Our Children. Um, today, we're talking a little bit about Talk About, which is a, a an Awana resource we want to make available to you. Um, you can text me at 877-933-2484. We'll send you the link for that free resource. 
Um, so, Mark, this is this is now getting into it. So I'm tempted when my kid comes home from school to ask him the same question every day, to which I get the same answer every day. Um, and so I need some help. Um, okay. So, you know, my I'm asking the question, hey, what did you learn at school today? Okay, that is a terrible question. It was a terrible question when I was in school. It's still a terrible question. And yet we still ask it. And we get the same answer, like this this dull response. Like they don't know what they learned. Um, because the things that we learn at school are mostly not the things that are being talked about from the front of the classroom. So can you talk a little bit about how we learn, like like because of the of the reality that we're swimming in, like we're learning through lots of different inputs. Can you talk about all of the inputs that our kids are learning from today that they may not even be aware of? Certainly. What, what they're learning are stories. They're, they're being told a story about reality or perceived reality, what the dominant cultures of today say is reality. So the average kid is probably studying six or seven subjects at school any given semester. Uh, if you're in block scheduling, maybe four or five. But if I was a parent, I would I would just pick one subject and I would be curious about that subject. Let's say it's science or uh, chemistry or biology or, or I don't know, you, you, mathematics. You pick, the, you pick the subject and I would ask just to see their textbooks or get the login to their online you know, uh, curriculum. And I would just do a little poking around just in that one subject. The reason I say one is it can be overwhelming to do all seven or do three or four. Just pick one subject and start peeking in at the curriculum. What are, what are the stories they're being told about reality? Why is this important? Here's why it's important. The dominant narratives of today, and I'm just going to list six or seven of them, are this right here. Post-Christian culture, secularism, critical theory, naturalism, hedonism, evolution. You, you've, you've heard those types of big, scary words that are descriptors of the major narratives of our day. And in a lot of schools, these are the narratives that they're being taught through the curriculum. And it's important we understand what those are, because this is the water that our children are swimming in. And if we can know that, we can position the gospel side by side with those major narratives and tell them this is what's real. These other narratives are going to be, they're going to fall short on their promises but the gospel delivers on its promises. When I think about um, what my kids are being taught, your kids are being taught, um, yes, there is the curriculum, as you point out, but there is the way it's being taught and the people by whom it's being taught. And I remember, um, you know, back, back in the day when I was training Sunday school teachers, and we would be talking about the curriculum. And I want them to know the curriculum, absolutely. But then I would always have this conversation about, here's the reality. You are the primary curriculum in your Sunday school classroom. You, you are the pattern. You are the person um, after whom they are going to learn what it looks like to be a Christian, what it sounds like to be a Christian, um, what love looks like, what forgiveness looks like, what grace looks like, like these things that we want them to be learning um, about the, the faith, they're going to learn from you. Yes, there's a curriculum, and it's, and it's good, and we spend a long, long time thinking about why we're using the curriculum we're using. But you as the person are the curriculum. So at school, when I send my kids to school, that teacher, those teachers, those coaches, those counselors, the adults who are there, um, 
they are a curriculum of a sort. And so knowing what those people look like in the worldview out of which they are operating is important as well. We call we call that person a loving, caring adult. That Mm. one loving, caring adult can make all the difference in the spiritual development of a child. Our our research we did in 2022 with David Kinnaman and the Barter Group, uh, we discovered that 39% of children in the United States who attend churches, who attend church, have at least one loving, caring adult aside from their parents at church who they they recognize as someone who loves them and cares about them. Now the bad news is that 60% of children don't parents don't think that their child does. But four out of 10 do. But here's here's the power behind this statistic. If you look at all of the the cross tabulation data, those children who have at least one loving caring adult at church, they're far more likely to trust Christ as savior, they're far more likely to read the Bible on a weekly basis, they're far more likely to feel like they belong at church. So what's the point in the the insight of, on the one loving, caring adult? It's that when you build a team of at least one or two or three other people around your child who loves them and cares for them, they're far more likely to grow in their faith. And we're talking about children, not even necessarily students. So children need other loving, caring adults other than you, mom and dad, who they recognize as they're kind of on my team. They're helping love me, care about me, and to disciple me. It's super powerful. And the church has got to lean into this one and become more relational with children. Um, first of all, thank you, Matt, for what you do every single day to um, encourage and equip us to be loving, caring adults in the lives of the children um, whom God has set in our spheres of influence. And I do think it is really important if you're listening right now and you say to yourself, I don't have kids. Uh, I don't have grandkids. That's not, you know, my age and stage of life. Um, So as the family of faith, as adult Christians, um, all all those kids, they're all our responsibility. It's why we have talked about LifeWise Academy and um, getting kids exposed to the Bible during school hours. It's why we... Um, it's why we talk about Awana. It's why we talk about, um, you know, all kinds of clubs and opportunities for you to engage with kids, with children, um, and and the scriptures and positive curriculum and things like talk about and, and on and on and on. So we want you to be engaged. And really, you're without excuse. You're, you're just we've just arrived at the time when you're without excuse because there's organizations like Awana making such great resources available. So, um, Matt, thank you. I look forward to seeing you at the Child Discipleship Forum in just a few weeks. Um, and I look forward to your forthcoming book. So when it comes out, will you come back and talk with us about it? I would love that, Carmen. Thank you so much. Fantastic. All right. So you can check out all the resources at Child discipleship.com. If you want the direct link for the talk about resources and the promo code, just text me 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I want you to uh, spend a moment praying for somebody else who's listening right now. Just, Just take a moment. And pray for somebody else who's listening right now. Maybe you could take a moment and pray for Dawn. Uh, Works in a correctional facility. 
um, has an opportunity to engage with people who are incarcerated uh, and encounters a lot of a lot of inmates who say that they're Christians and they're actually thankful that they got arrested because it gives them an opportunity to get clean and maybe even have an opportunity to reset their life. To just think about that for a moment and think about the way God has Dawn placed right where he wants her and needs her today. Would you pray for her? Maybe you could, uh, maybe you could pray today for Rick. Rick, um, Rick's having a hard, he's having a hard stretch of road. Uh, life is difficult. He's, um, he's not got steady work. Um, that has resulted in him not having a steady, safe place to live. But um, he's our brother in Christ, and he's listening. Could you pray for him right now? Pray that God would give him what he needs, his daily bread today, and some hope for tomorrow. Let's be praying today for each other, and let's be tending tenderly to one another today. Life is complex, um, and it can be very, very difficult. Uh, and so let's be let's be tender today with one another and um, and certain in our lifting one another up in prayer. Um, tonight, I'm going to encourage you to step outside because um, there's going to be a super moon. I know the moon is always super, right? The moon is super duper, in fact. But um, apparently tonight's super moon is called a a blue moon. Uh, and um, I know now you want to sing. Do you want to sing the blue moon song? Go ahead. You can sing it loud right where you are. It's okay. Nobody. Well, I don't know. Maybe if you're maybe if you're with other people, you shouldn't sing blue moon right now. I'm not going to. Um, but the, there's going to be a blue moon tonight, and uh, apparently it is a big deal for people who are concerned about such things. Uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just go outside and gaze at the night sky, whether you see the moon or not, and give glory to God. Um, stargazing is pretty fun, right? And recognizing the maker who set each of those stars in its place and knows them by name. That is incredible. He also knows every hair on your head and the ones that you've lost and where you lost them and where they are now, like all of that. Um, and he loves you. God loves you. And as you are gazing up at uh, the super moon tonight, the blue, the rare blue moon, I want you to consider that God is always watching you. He's got his eye on you. He loves you. He's concerned about you. He knows the circumstance of your life. He knows the good plans he has for you. He knows the challenges that you face. He knows the resources that you need. And he is a good, good father. I encourage you to turn to him today and rely on him. As Susie Larson has been telling us, he's closer to you than your next breath. If you haven't done so already, I want you to go to MyFaithRadio.com and enter to win a copy of Susie's new book. It is our giveaway this month closer than your next breath and draw near to God as he draws near to you. You can do that at myfaithradio.com. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.